And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. Do you know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price you will love when you use the code CP Red Eye. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Now. It's Red Eye Radio. Talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. From the Uniden America studios, for Gary McNamara and Eric Harley, Dan Mandis, this is Red Eye Radio. 866-907-3339. You can find out more about me on the Dan Mandis Show facebook page i'm also on twitter instagram as well and again all the socials at dan manda show i host a morning show 6 to 10 a.m eastern time on super talk 99.7 wtn in nashville tennessee if you'd like to listen it's right after this show 99.7 wtn.com and great news gary and Derek they do return next sunday night monday morning you know we we don't see this problem getting better anytime soon They say that nearly 80% of new military recruits are related to those who have already served their country. Now, that in and of itself is good. The problem we have is that the total number of people serving in our military continues to go down. And that's only part of the problem. There's a headline out there this morning, 77% of America's youth not eligible to serve as the military faces a recruiting crisis. Now, you know why that is. There, there's all kinds of reasons why, you know, the uh, America's youth won't be eligible or not eligible to serve as military uh, recruits. And, and part of that is because a lot of kids, frankly, are out of shape and overweight. That's one of the issues. And so the more that we see that the military continues to decline, and I don't know, I'm going to stop short of saying it's all Biden's fault. I'm I'm not going to say that because we've been experiencing this situation for years. But we do know that this is something that we're going to have to contend with uh, sooner or later. And right now, the current economy is doing pretty good as it relates to the job market. And so there's plenty of jobs out there, and that's also part of the uh, dynamic. They say college is becoming a more popular option for high school graduates, with 62% of high school seniors pushed to go directly to college, which I think is insane. 
I'm not a big advocate for college. They say another reason for low recruitment numbers is the perception among some that the military has gone woke. The nation is also facing a health crisis among young people, as I said, with 77 percent of America's youth not eligible to serve. They talk about another alarming trend. The children of military families who typically make up 80 percent of U.S. Army recruits are telling their children not to serve. Especially those folks in the South. Now, that's a new wrinkle to the story. I I actually didn't know. I, I knew all of this other stuff. I mean, this is just an update to an oh so familiar story. But that's a new one. I didn't realize the children of military families who typically make up 80 percent of U.S. Army recruits telling their kids not to serve. And I'm in the South, they say, especially those from the South. Now, I'm in, as I said, Nashville, Tennessee. And so I have spoken to veterans and I've spoken to them uh, on the air. And I've had people call me and, and they have literally said, I don't want my son or daughter serving in the military. And, you know, typically it'll be something regarding, you know, they don't pay enough or the state of the uh, VA's office or just they do believe the military has uh, gone woke. But every single year, it seems like I, I, I do the same story, which is the fact that they are missing their recruiting goals. The Army, Air Force, and Navy are indeed on track to miss recruiting goals this year. The U.S. military has typically met annual recruitment goals since 1973. The U.S. Army missed its recruiting goals by 25% last year. And so, you know, the decline of our military does continue. And I do believe that the same dynamic is at play where you have police officers or police uh, forces across the country. They're low on officers. Well, the question is, why are they low on officers? The reason why they're low on officers is because you, you have a society, you have a culture that looks down on law enforcement. You have a society, you have a culture that looks down on the military. Now, I don't, and I know that most of you don't. But by and large... In our country, there is sadly not as much of an appreciation for law enforcement as there used to be or should be. They talk about how after 9-11, recruiting increased due to the wave of patriotism, of course, that swept the nation after September 11th. Now, this year, the Army is expected to end up 15,000 recruits short. Of its 65,000 goal. Meanwhile, the U.S. military chiefs say that retention has never been higher, but continue to express concern that if recruiting numbers do not improve, the U.S. will not be able to face the next great power threat or deal with two conflicts at the same time, Russia and China. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just something I've noticed, bargain hunting is back. I mean, bargain hunting's always been around. We always love a great deal. But man, everywhere you look, people are 
bargain hunting. You know, there's so many great ways to find great deals. Hey, I have a great find in your bargain hunting journey. Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price that's a real bargain when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letters CPREDEYE, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel6.com. That is a bargain. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. Yeah, and I think there's a good part of this, whether we're talking about the military or we're talking about law enforcement, is the fact that, you know, there's a lot of other things that young men and women can do these days. And if they're not suited for, you know, the collegiate lifestyle, then they can go to a trade school. And in their minds, they can get more respect and probably more money and a better life, you know, being an electrician, being a plumber, whatever than going into work, becoming a police officer, being disrespected, putting your life on the line, and have to deal with the absolute trash of society. You ever watch Cops? I got to tell you, because I, 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 have, I have watched Cops. I'm ashamed to say that I've watched Cops. And I've spoken to enough police officers so that I can confidently say that, yes, they do deal with the dregs of society. And it's really sad. They also are able to save lives, and that's got to be gratifying. There is a video out there, and I just saw it right before I uh, went on the air this, uh, this evening, where it is a police officer who comes, uh, comes upon a vehicle that is on fire. The car is literally on fire. And this cop is able to pull this woman out of the wreckage as it's burning. And as I'm watching this video, you know, my, my jaw hits the, uh, the desk. I'm watching it. It is an incredible act of bravery that this police officer risked his life to pull that motorist out of a burning car. And it's one of those, you know, videos that's going viral and so forth. And I couldn't help but think of a topic that I did Last night, where you have, uh, you know, that that woman out there in San Francisco, she is part of the reparations task force. And and she said that straight white males are a threat to our society. Remember that? And I said, well, what about all those straight white males who serve as police officers? What if they just decided not to go to uh, work one day because they're being, you know, bashed at every turn? What if they just decided, you know what, we're not going to go to work and that includes a lot of cops i mean i think it's a fair question 
But you see, the woke, they don't really think about logic. And that's what this woman was infused with. (laughs) She absolutely wants reparations. And she absolutely hates straight white males and thinks that they are destroying society. It really is kind of insane when you think about it. But you know what? If you cover the left enough, you know exactly how they think. And you also understand the absurdity of some of the things that they say. Uh, Let's see here. Greg is calling from Alabama. Let's go to Greg on Red Eye Radio. Hello, Greg. Thanks for calling in. Uh, Good morning. It's Glenn, actually. Oh, all right, Glenn. Uh, Thanks for calling in. I can attest to the the Army side of things. I am a proud National Guard parent. For starters, my daughter is currently sitting at Fort Leonard Wood, arrived at 103 this morning to start her AIT for her specific MOS, which is she's a military police officer. Nice. She'll be there for the next she'll be there for the next 11 weeks. When I dropped her off in Montgomery on July 4th to be shipped out yesterday. We were talking to the gentleman who handles getting everybody signed in into their rooms. He said four or five years ago, I mean, he was shipping 150 out at a time. There was only 61 shipping when my daughter shipped. Wow. From our state yesterday. That's crazy. And why did your, why did, let me ask you this, Glenn. Why did your uh, daughter decide that she wanted to uh, go into the military? It was something that she had been talking about since she was 12 years old, and her uh, junior year of high school, I want to say the exact enlistment date was like January 24th, she joined the National Guard. Uh, That was her official swearing in, hey, you're a Guard member. One of the main reasons why she did it is for education purposes, because she doesn't want to have any college debt. And that that was her, her biggest issue. She wanted to prepare for her future. Yeah. And on top of that, being a military police, she's also starting college this upcoming January to get her criminal justice degree because she wants to go into civilian law enforcement and eventually become a detective. How Glenn, how old is how old is your daughter? She was seventeen when she joined. She completed basic training, did her did her senior year of high school, mm-hmm. turned eighteen her senior year, graduated and then turns nineteen this November. Man, I gotta ask you, man, what did you do right? Because you she's clearly I mean, when I was a when I was nineteen, I was a complete you know, screw up. And so you have clearly got her, you know, directed in a good direction. She's got a good head on her shoulders. And it sounds like she's got a, a great, um, a great future in front of her. So well done, dad. Congratulations. Thank you. And also, I don't know if you know that the army is looking or I, I haven't found anything where they've said a definite yet. They're looking at dropping their, uh, the ACFT, the Army Combat Physical Fitness Test, mm-hmm. down from what my daughter struggled to pass last summer 
to where my nearly 40-year-old rear end could pass it. Yeah, you know what? I, I've covered that before where, and I think I actually did it on uh, Red Eye Radio way back when. This has been a constant conversation where you're right. It, it's the whole discussion about uh, lowering the standards to try to fill out the ranks. I mean, in in, in 30 seconds or less, uh, Glenn, how do you feel about that as, as somebody who has been involved in this process for years? I don't like it. I, I think our armed forces individual should be at the peak of performance. I understand lowering it some as age progresses, but I think it should be held, you know, it should be held up. Yes, and I, some people probably give me grief for this. I think the men and the women's standards should be a lot closer than what they actually already are. Right. I mean, there, there's over 100 pounds difference in a couple of things, and I think three minutes, four minutes in the two-mile run, for them to totally almost eliminate this, and I think it was push-ups, sit-ups, and the two-mile run is all they're wanting to have now. No deadlifting, no dragging, no chunking the medicine ball over your head as far as you can. Right. They need to bring all that back and then some. Well, the the question is, the question is, though, ultimately, will that add to the people wanting to come into the ranks? Now, I, I agree with you in principle, but I also do understand the pragmatism. Also, the, the field of battle has changed an, an awful lot. I mean, with technology and everything else that's going on, um, you know, you, you have a, a lot of uh, women these days who – they can do things, and I, I'm not disparaging them by any stretch of the imagination. They can f- fire a weapon. They can do whatever it is they need to do on the field of battle. But there's a lot of things that if you're, if you're not someone who is, you know, a, a big physical specimen like, like some of these folks in the military, there's other things they can do these days, especially with, you know, drone warfare and, and the like. So the, the, the military is definitely changing as well. Uh, in a number of different ways. I do believe that the military has become a little more woke, and that is a shame, but I also do believe that the field of battle has also been changing over the years, and it depends on, you know, where the theater is. It is um, Red Eye Radio, 866-907-3339, 866-90-RED-EYE. A limited area of rainfall is expected for the next week. Extending from, say, the central Great Plains through the southern Corn Belt and then eventually into the eastern United States. And what this active weather pattern could mean for those areas over the five to seven day period, according to USDA meteorologist Brad Rippey. A lot of the rainfall activity and thunderstorm activity will be squeezed into that narrow belt. And it is that area that we could be concerned with these daily severe thunderstorms. Not every single thunderstorm will be severe, but in areas that are hit by by severe weather is certainly the possibility of the high winds, large hail, and isolated tornadoes on an almost daily basis across the relatively same geographic areas. Raised concern stems from a late June derecho event in the Midwest. States from, say, Colorado, Nebraska, Kansas, eastward through the southern Corn Belt, and then eventually perhaps extending into the Mid-South, the Mid-Atlantic. We will have to be concerned with those locally severe thunderstorms almost daily. I'm Rod Bain reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture in Washington, DC. This report is made possible by Cenex Roadmaster XL Premium Diesel and Sitco Lubricants. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio.
Red Eye Radio, 86690 Red Eye. Let's say hello to Emily calling from beautiful Boulder, Colorado. Hey, Emily, how are you? I'm doing well, and it's been an interesting conversation that you've been having tonight. I called because I wanted to put my voice in there and say I don't think it's going to be possible for Donald Trump to be in any debate, although I agree that it would be better for him. But the the reason I say that is that it's been quite some time ago that I either read or heard that the uh, people putting a debate together will insist that anyone who's a candidate who wants to participate in it has to agree to support the primary winner for the Republican Party. Mm. I don't think Trump will ever do that. And I don't think he'll do it because, number one, of his personality, and I voted for him twice. But um, I just don't think that's going to be possible. And so I, unless I heard wrong or something, then... I'll, I'll have to, Emily, I'll have to look. I don't recall that, but then again, I, I could have missed it. So I'll have to find out. But, but I agree with you. Nobody should have to take, especially Donald Trump, after all he's been through with the Republican Party. Nobody should have to take a, a, a loyalty pledge uh, in order to... Uh, go into a debate. And, and quite frankly, the Republicans need him to debate more than he needs to debate within that Republican Party. Like like they need him more than he needs them. And and by the way, they also know that if if Trump lost the Republican primary, he could run as an independent and do serious damage to whoever. And I think uh, that's why they want to have the people say that they will not run as independent. He could certainly still afford to do it. Thank you. Uh, Thank you very much, Emily. I appreciate the call. Great call. I'm going to Google that, see if I can find it. The uh, phone number is 866-907-3339, 866-90-RED-EYE. Red Eye Radio, from the Uniden America Studios. 1-866-907-3339. 866-90-RED-EYE. Now, for Gary McNamara and Eric Harley, here is Dan Mandis. All right, very good. You know, I had, I've done so much uh, content this evening. I actually, looking through my notes, I forgot to do the... Uh, Big update on what is going on with the White House being told by a judge that they can no longer collude with social media to stifle the free speech of uh, conservatives and dissenting views. I told you all about that story last week, and uh, I got to tell you, there there is a bit of an update to this. Uh, first of all, I, I really loved cringe Jean-Pierre, her reaction when uh, she was asked about this, I, I told you all about the uh, story last week, or I should say last night. And, and so she was asked during the White House press briefing uh, yesterday if the White House had any reaction. Thanks, Kareen. I wanted to ask about this decision we saw yesterday in Louisiana on the White House contact with social media companies. 
Do I have a response to the judge basically saying that this is the most massive attack on free speech in the U.S. history? So, as you know, DOJ is reviewing uh, the decision, the injunction, and so I don't want to get ahead of, of what, uh, of what, uh, what they will uh, evaluate and their options. You, you know what I love about this soundbite is the reporter, and I, I'm not sure who the reporter is, but the reporter frames it. Where she's saying, yes, the judge did say this was one of the biggest massive overreaches in history. So, as you know, DOJ is reviewing uh, the decision, the injunction. And so I don't want to get ahead of of what uh, of what uh, what they will uh, evaluate and their options could potentially be. So not going to get ahead of the DOJ. Uh, If you're asking me if we agree or disagree, we certainly disagree. Uh, with this decision. And as I said, the DOJ is reviewing this, so I'm not going to get ahead of what uh, their evaluation, what options they're going to uh, potentially take on moving forward. All right. So you know, Biden administration is trying to figure out how they're going to be able to collude with uh, social media. And, you know, it, it was interesting because yesterday when that story came down, it actually came down on the 4th of July. I covered it for you yesterday or last night. And what was fascinating about that story is just just that there was such an overwhelming level of ev- evidence against the Biden administration. And as you know, it came from the Twitter files. It came from the New York Post. It, it came from all of our collectively as conservatives. It was all of our personal experiences as well. And I think that's why this was such a massive story. Because everybody knows, most people listening within the sound of my voice on the mighty Red Eye Radio, nationwide, worldwide, know full well what these social media companies did and what the Biden administration did and Dr. Anthony Fauci did to stifle dissent. And everyone knows that this was something that was, in my opinion, beyond the pale. And yes, it was by and large conservatives that were shut down, as you know. Maybe you were one of those conservatives that was shut down on social media. And and that fact was not lost on John Ratcliffe, a former DNI who was on with um, Fox News last night. And here's part of what Radcliffe had to say. My take is that um, this is going to hold up on appeal uh, because everything that the plaintiffs in this case uh, allege has been proven largely to be true. So, you know, when you think about uh, with respect to to uh, uh, COVID-19, everything from the origins, uh, lab leak, uh, the efficacy of certain treatments, the transmissibility. I mean, you just heard President you know, Biden talking about, you know, uh, pandemic of the unvaccinated. All of that uh, was frankly wrong. And yet um, Americans ability to engage in honest debate about it was was suppressed. You know, one of the things, too, I mean, one of one of the tenets, of course, that America was was built on this foundation of our rights and our freedoms. And our freedom to speak, freedom of speech is a very big thing. And so for the Biden administration and for Dr. Anthony Fauci to do what they did and think that they could arrogantly get away with it tells you all you need to know about Joe Biden.
and Dr. Anthony Fauci and quite frankly, frankly, the uh, progressives, because along with that freedom of speech is also really, in, in my opinion, it is the responsibility to debate. To me, they go hand in hand. And as you can probably imagine, as a, as a talk show host, I feel very strongly about this, that if you have the ability to celebrate and utilize your freedom of speech, then you should also have the ability to debate. And you should debate. And so when you had Dr. Anthony Fauci, you know, during the whole mask debate and during the whole lockdown debate, and when Fauci locked down anyone who had a differing opinion than his, and he got their credibility shot down and got them banned or shadow banned on social media, destroyed their reputations, destroyed their careers. And then we find out that the people that Fauci was stifling were actually right. And yet Fauci goes off into retirement and he's still sticking to the same arguments when he has been proven wrong Time and time and time again. I mean, if you really want to think about it, and as you can tell, I have, if you really think about it, people lost their jobs because they wouldn't get a vaccine based on concerns. Those concerns turned out to be correct in some instances. But there is no debate allowed. You were just told that if you had the audacity to ask questions, then you were literally killing people. That is what Jen Psaki did, if I remember right. And so that was a very dark time in America. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm willing to say that, yes, it was a dark time in America. It was a confusing time in America. But at the end of the day, the Constitution matters. At the end of the day, debate matters. At the end of the day, asking questions matters. And more importantly, as those questions are asked, people need to answer. And right now, you've got Dr. Anthony Fauci and others who, in my opinion, they do need to answer questions about why they stifled the free speech of people who were very simply asking questions and it turned out that they were right. Now, that judge on July 4th, you recall, stated that agencies within the Biden administration were no longer allowed to work with social media to suppress free speech. That's a good thing. Now, we'll have to see. We'll have to see how the Biden administration plays this. But John Ratcliffe, he had a thing or two to say about it. The Hunter Biden laptop and an election interference on that front, as you recall, you know, on October 18th of 2020, I came out as the director of national intelligence and said, uh, this is not Russian disinformation. We have no intelligence of that. 
That was based in part on the fact of my conversations with uh, the Department of Justice and the FBI, with Bill Barr, with uh, Director Ray, that the FBI had that laptop and that it had been um, verified and was being used as part of what was described as a money laundering investigation. And yet at that very same moment, you, we, we learned through uh, the Twitter files that there were FBI agents at that very moment contradicting that with social media. Well, that's exactly right. And so and, and here's the other thing is Ratcliffe is talking about that at the same time that you've got, you know, Trump going through all of his insanity. As Ratcliffe said, they knew that those allegations were not true. Against Donald Trump. And so you have you have all of these folks within the um, within the DOJ. And they're going after Donald Trump for things that they know are not true, yet they're protecting Biden from things that they know are true. That's the shame about this whole thing. And part of the news cycle today, you just heard John Radcliffe, the former DNI director of national intelligence. He just heard him say. That when you look at the overall scheme of things, this truly was election interference. And, and, you know, you know, the funny thing is you've got some of these folks in the media, they're bristling. At the even thought, the notion, the accusation. That Dr. Anthony Fauci and Joe Biden. And the social media companies engaged in election interference because that's what they consider Donald Trump to be guilty of. And they couldn't possibly possibly be guilty of something themselves. No, it's a lot easier when you're a progressive to point your your crooked finger at everybody else and say that they're all the ones that are doing things that are wrong and corrupt. When in reality. It's you, progressives. And now we know that it, it was you and is you. That is doing wrong, that was colluding. To impact elections. Now, yesterday, conservatives cheered this decision by the judge. Uh, You do have, again, a lot of folks hand wringing over the ramifications because they say that the federal government does need to be able to coordinate messages and, and monitor some activity to prevent crimes and, you know, prevent perhaps terror attacks and so forth. And Ratcliffe, you know, he he did say that those people who have those issues and who worry about such things, well, they actually do have a valid point. They're right in part by saying that it's appended um, years of work of important collaboration because we do have foreign adversaries that are trying to misinform uh, the American uh, public to sway elections. That very much can happen. We, we know those efforts um, have happened from our foreign adversaries. The problem, Dana, is in this case, that the years of good work have been upended um, by social media executives and government officials who who have abused that in the examples that we've just talked about. You know, the it's ironic because the the Washington Post is is actually a co-conspirator in that. It was the mainstream media, ironically, that was that was was complicit in uh, this abuse of the First Amendment and suppressing Americans' free speech. Yeah, and then they wonder why it is that nobody trusts the mainstream media. Well, we can tell you why in talk radio. 
because mainstream media, it used to be that there was a passion for the truth. It used to be in the mainstream media, in the news organizations, the various news organizations, there is a passion for simply getting it right. But since the second Donald Trump took that trip down that escalator and he announced that he was running for president, media has never been the same. Because he exposed, he exposed them for what they were and are and continue to be. And this is only going to be make it this is only going to make it worse. But what they are, what they were, what they continue to be and what they probably will be moving forward is not reporting news, but trying to put forward a narrative and an agenda that is most certainly anti-conservative and anti-constitution. 866-907-3339, 866-90-RED-EYE. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It is Red Eye Radio, 866-90-RED-EYE, 866-907-3339. Dan Mandis here in for Gary and Eric. They do return on Sunday night, Monday morning. I'm getting ready to host my own morning show in Nashville, Tennessee. It begins in just a few minutes, 6 to 10 Eastern Time, Super Talk 99.7 WTN and 99.7 WTN.com. If you would like to listen via the World Wide Web, it was interesting. We had a woman call up just a, a few moments ago and we were talking about Donald Trump and would he engage in the Republican primary. And it's been an ongoing conversation for you know weeks now. And she had asked the question, was the reason why Trump is refusing to debate along with the other Republicans in the primary, is it because they had asked him to take effectively basically a loyalty pledge? And and I said no, because I don't think that that is going on right now in 2024. They did ask the former president in 2016 to take a loyalty pledge. Now, you, you remember that whole controversy. But now, today, heading into 2024, I, I don't think I don't think they're asking for a loyalty pledge because I'm pretty certain they know that they wouldn't get one. But anyway, so that is uh, the answer to that. Appreciate you listening. This is Red Eye Radio. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together... 
It's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.